It's going to get warm in here. A lot of hot air from us. Because <laughs> oh, so. you turn off the furnace that way. <laughs> but we, we have a lot of hot air. Oh, so. That was a joke. Sorry. <laughs> Dan, that was really funny. <laughs> You need. To, you actually need to get sound bits. <laughs> so kind of, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm recording this. Oh, great. So, yeah. uh, I'm gonna hold something. Oh second. man! All right, all right, all right, all right. Take one more drink of water. <laughs> <laughs> I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation. For it is the power of God for salvation. For it is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes. Romans 1.16 Hey everybody, welcome to Getting the Gospel Out podcast. Uh, today we are focusing on the question, how do I get to the gospel in a conversation? How do we turn a normal conversation about sports or weather or family into a spiritual conversation where we can share the gospel? I'm your host, Pastor Dan Jackson from Jacobswell Church in Green Bay, Wisconsin. To consider this question with me today, we have two men that I think are very good at conversation with other people and getting the gospel into that conversation. First, we have a man who can never pass up a piece of cake and loves to organize apps on his phone, Mr. Ben Leatherberry. Wow. So, Ben, do you, do you feel like you need to explain? Yeah, I thought I thought that was not about me. So, that's yeah. uh, I'm learning things today. So, <laughs> is it true that you cannot pass up a good, uh, or not even a good piece, of, just a piece of cake? Um, It might be true. Uh, I think... <laughs> I think you see it most when, uh, like, someone offers a, an old pound cake and I, I will still eat most of it. So, yeah, that, that's probably true. Okay. That's probably true. Yeah. So, yeah okay. All right. And uh, apps on the phone? Like, oh, I just uh, – You like organization. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a chronic, uh, restless individual. So, rearranging furniture, rearranging apps on my phone. All those things. What are... is it from your childhood that caused you? <laughs> <laughs> Let's trace this app back. <laughs> this is good. Can we do this? Oh, man. All right. So first we have uh, Mr. Ben Leatherberry. And uh, secondly, uh, we have a man who um, is my best friend from seminary who traveled halfway around the world to be here. Mm. Uh, a man who tried to drop out of seminary on multiple occasions. <laughs> A man who, before he got married, would wear gym shorts underneath his pants just in case a basketball game broke out. So true. A man so, who, so as a married adult, went through a year-long Skittles phase. Yes, that so is true. also true. Okay. A man who has completely given up on jeans because they feel too tight. Clean living for three years. <laughs> not one, not one. Pair of jeans. Pair of jeans in three in years. Three years. Loving it. Feeling like Evangelistic a, about I've it. God. <laughs> I have a gift idea. And uh, I won't take it. And the man who's had more nose jobs than the Kardashians. Oh, that is is also true. true. I've had three nose jobs. Three nose jobs. I always use that on two truths and a lie. Just just very insecure about your looks or what? No, seminary days trying to chainsaw a limb over my head. Oh, my word. Smashed my nose. Three surgeries later, it's still pretty crooked. And I was just talking to an ENT and he's like, 
Yeah, you're you're breathing about fifty percent of what normal people no. breathe. <laughs> I was like, after three surgeries, really? I just have to say defend. that explains a lot. <laughs> I mean, if you're only getting fifty percent oxygen <laughs> to your brain, just imagine how unfiltered it'd be if I got a hundred percent. That would be scary. <laughs> Maybe that might be God's gift <laughs> to the rest of humanity that you're only operating at fifty percent. Because, wow. All right. So, uh, Ben, if you would just tell us a little bit about your ministry experience. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of my ministry experience has happened within a campus ministry. Well, I was very involved when I was a student at UW-Green Bay, but we also were in South Dakota. So uh, there's a number of different universities there, but University of South Dakota was probably the main university that we, we spent time on and launched at other campuses and such. But but yeah, that's been the majority of time we spent in evangelism and discipleship, been with university students. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Dr. Jones, if I can call you that. You're not a doctor. No, but and I will never be. Oh my gosh, the amount of school. Yeah. I I just, I the reason why I call you that is from Indiana Jones and that little Dr. Jones, kid Dr. With, Jones. Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones. So Dr. Jones, tell us about your ministry experience. So I went to seminary with Dan and I just barely squeaked out of that puppy, finished that one up. And uh, we've been overseas. Uh, we lived in Spain for four years, and now we've been in England for five years. Most of my work has been uh, with church planning, uh, community development, leadership, mentoring, counseling, and sharing of. the gospel with the nations. It's it's much, yeah, yeah, yeah. People so from different backgrounds. All, whenever I share the gospel, it's almost never with someone who has a similar story as me. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so. Before we get to the question, how to get to the gospel in a conversation, I actually just want to start with a more basic question of how do you get into a conversation with a person? Mm. I like asking you guys that because I think both of you could start a great conversation with a mannequin. Mm. (laughs) And so I I think it's a gift and it comes easily to you. It doesn't come easy to everyone. Mm. I think that's just a way that God's gifted you and it doesn't Mm. make you better or worse. But I think do think it's a gift that God's given to you. And so I'm just curious, you know, if you are on an airplane or mm. if you are at the gym or some other place where you're not just walking past a person, but mm-hmm. you actually have opportunity for how do you start a conversation with a person? Uh, I mean, I think for me, my first thought when you asked it was desire. Like, what do people love and how are they hurting? If you find out what they love and find out what or or pain, I think that's a those are easy doors to walk through. So first conversation, you're going into pain. I mean, I'm just a pain guy. I mean, I think I, I was three nose jobs. I think I think your wife said you're a pain in the neck. That's what she said. Three nose jobs and Dan's needling. I, I mean, think. the thing is, is that nobody listens to other people's pain. It's like mm-hmm. nobody wants to. Nobody wants to listen to you. That's why you have to pay people to listen to you. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you ask a genuine question about what's wrong with the world. Everybody has a very clear answer. It's my mother-in-law. That's what's wrong with the world. Well, tell me about your mother-in-law. Like, everybody wants to talk about what what they love and who they hate. (laughs) I I think I'm going to send this podcast directly to your wife's mom. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, yeah. She may not be so helpful in her ministry anymore after this podcast. So, all right. So, I mean, but how do you get into that with someone? So, how do you get into what they love? Mm. Like, what are the, I'm guessing you're asking questions. I'm making an assumption. Yeah, yeah. But how do you get into what they love? Like, what are the questions you're asking? I was with this transgender youth guy. 
I was talking to him about, you know, this is before he had transitioned to living as a, as a woman, but he was just, I just asked him about something very simple. Like, Oh, are you into any video, video games? Like what's your favorite video game? And that was just, and then a 10 minute monologue. And he was just telling me all about this underworld of video games. Mm. And I don't know. It's, I think when people are really into something, it's just interesting to me. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, tell me about the seventh level of this underworld. Yeah. And then when you start hearing about this very dark video game, all those themes come out of like, oh, what is, mm. what is evil? Like, mm. what's wrong with the world? What about video games is such a winsome refuge from the wrong in the world? Hmm. What do they say when you say that? Are they like, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> are they? No, because you're, you're on their turf. Yeah. yeah. You're like <laughs> a buddy of mine, uh, was talking to Satanist last week or was it two weeks ago. And he was saying, he's like, Satanism. Like, I've always wanted to meet a Satanist and asked him, why do you choose the losing side? Hmm. Like he lost. Like, don't like, and so he's talking about the Bible. And talking about, and, and he was like, no, 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 they're going back and forth and back and forth. So I think if you're on someone else's turf and you're using their language and using their lingo and say, you know, in the gospel and the person of Jesus, all the things that are shattered about us, they become whole. Yeah. I mean, I think the more you play on their playground, the more liberty you have. It's almost incarnational in a way. Yeah. Right. It's yeah, going yeah. into their world like Jesus came into our world. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Benjamin, what about you? How do you how do you start conversations with people? Well, first off, right before before words come out of your mouth, considering your heart and do you do you love people? Do you love the person who's just sat down next to you? And you and you might not you might not like them, right? You mm-hmm. might not like anything they have to say, but some of the best conversations I'll tend to have is probably when I'm just I'm ready to talk to somebody. And frankly, I find that I'm not always as ready to talk to people as I want to be, even if it might seem easier at times for me to do it. I think that's the first place is just my own heart of, uh, is coming in ready to say, I, I'm, I want to talk to this person. I want to, I want to listen to what they say. But, but I think what's with, the opposite of wanting to listen? Uh, headphones, right? Okay. In the ears, right? I've, I've sat down on a number of planes and thought, I do not want to talk to anybody, right? I <laughs> yeah. put those headphones in, put the music up, look the other way, right? No eye contact. Again, another thing before words, smile, <laughs> look people in the eyes. People want to be noticed. They longed to be noticed. And so I think noticing people, even again, before you speak, because you can notice the things, what, what, what shirt are they wearing? You know, who do they support? You can't walk around this city in Green Bay without knowing who loves the Packers or the even more bold people who are wearing Bears or Vikings or some other team that's obliterated us like the, the 49ers. So I think noticing those things. Uh, I've, I've thought of this word picture of, you know, if you're wandering through the woods, kind of treating people like the woods in that instead of wandering, you're wandering into their lives, right? Mm. You're, you're wandering into what's happening. And often the entrance to that is just, where are you from? Mm. Like, oh, what brings you here? Are, are you from here originally? Oh, so you moved around a lot. You know, was your family in the military? I think there's so many questions that are just, just simple. What would you wish someone would ask you and you seek to ask those questions and then just wonder, wonder into their life. What was that like? How many siblings do you have? Oh, you're the oldest. So are you the most responsible? All this Mm -hmm. children tend to be, are you, are you kind of wild? I think just really general questions that reflect kind of a heart of wondering, reflect that you want to know and want to listen to what they're saying. And I think what Steven said as well is you pick up on the language they're saying and you, you pick up on how they're talking about something and you just say, 
Tell me more about that. I don't know if I understand, right? The some of the three most powerful words sometimes in, in these conversations is tell me more. Or the strategy I used last night in Quick Trip <laughs> as a as a guy walked around the corner, uh, I was ashamedly uh, singing uh, I Want It That Way because that was what was on the radio. <laughs> and this guy walked around the corner. This podcast is over. <laughs> yeah. You may not leave. I walked around the corner and, uh, and you know, it's you, someone catches you doing something embarrassing and I, you know, I stop immediately and then I look at him and I watch his, his mouth move and he's singing the song as well. And I just, I just told him I was, uh, I was so thankful that someone was less ashamed than I was to be singing this song. And we had a, we had a good conversation, uh, a foot in front of the 2% milk. And so things like that, noticing and even when it's embarrassing for yourself. If you ever write a book, (laughs) you should title it A Foot in Front of the 2%. That's a a great tagline. Great. There you go. A great title. Trademark. Copyright. So you You just have to say it, right? Copyright. Talk talk about wrestling with motivation. Sure. To care, to be interested. What gives you the motivation to care about people? I mean, the truth is often I I don't care. Um, I, I care about my small kingdom. I care about my schedule. I care about my schedule way too much. I think part of it is remembering, remembering that God uh, has cared about me, has cared for me, has, you know, condescended to my estate. He, um, I think of the words that, you know, David, David speaks in Psalm 139 that he, he knows me, he sees me and that those are the most comforting things to me is that I'm known and I'm seen and um, that all people really, right, because we're made in the image of a triune God who knows himself, sees himself, loves himself perfectly. We too long to be known and loved and seen. And, and so I think that motivation comes right by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, inside of me, but knowing that other people have that desire mm-hmm. um, and that they too will come alive, right? When they're known and seen and loved and obviously most, most clearly when they're known and seen and loved in, in Christ. And so mm. I think that's what it stirs me. It stirs me to want to, to offer that and to bring that to people. So if we long to be known, mm-hmm. which I think we do, mm-hmm. uh, we talk about being fully known and fully loved. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that we want. Mm-hmm. Where can people get that in society? I remember uh, my wife and I, we, we too, we lived overseas for several years and I had a friend who was, uh, was from Iran and I asked him what clubs he was in. He said he was in the photography club. I was like, oh, so you love photography? And he said, no. I said, why? <laughs> what makes you, in, you know, what puts you in that club? And he said, there's just people there. I just long to be in mm. connection with people. And so they find where people gather. And Isn't that why everyone's in track and cross country? I mean, <laughs> yeah. does anyone do it because they love running? <laughs> Some people. <laughs> maybe. I mean, I'm kind of – I have a lot of inertia. So maybe I don't <laughs> like running so much. But I just can't imagine another reason. But I think it's really hard to find. In college, relational intimacy, you are plunged into it. Mm. And people are still isolated, right? Mm-hmm. Once you get out of college, oh, my gosh, it's hard to find. Mm. Especially in the north, I think southern climates. Maybe Stevie, you could speak to this. I think southern climates, maybe people are more relational. In the northern climates, I don't see my neighbors for six months because of the winter, yeah. and then in the summer they go to their lake houses on the weekend. Relationships, at least in Wisconsin, are so rare. Like if you have someone over for dinner, you may have just become their best friend mm-hmm. because it's, it's an advantage happens. to us. It's an uh-huh. advantage, and like you said, Stephen. If someone wants to be heard and accepted, mm. they pay a counselor. Mm. That's where you can be heard and accepted. But this is what the church has to offer, right? Is that God knows everything about us more than we do and accepts us and loves us. And it propels us outward 
to say this person made in the image of God is of infinite value and worth and interesting. And it compels us to ask questions, to learn. I love the image of the woods. Mm. Just kind of you're going into the, the the first part of the woods and then you're going deeper in the woods and mm. deeper in the woods. I love that. I think mm. that's great imagery. Mm. But really investigating them and, and listening to hear instead of listening to respond. It's mm. something Al Dayhoff says who mm. does evangelism stuff. But, but just studying them like you would study a painting. I think for me to get into just normal conversations with people – at the YMCA, I'll just ask guys, hey, how's it going? Hey, what what do you do for a living? Are you a student? Are, do you work? Do you like what you do? Oh, what's your dream? Like, if you're studying this, what do you want to do when you grow up? And and so work is a big identifier in our culture, I think. Yeah. With a lot of other people, it's family is a huge thing to talk mm-hmm. about. So my brother, he was in charge of interviewing some people for jobs. He's an engineer, my brother. Had this guy interview. Best interview he's ever had. The guy knew nothing about engineering, but my brother didn't know that until he sent him out with the shop guys. So this guy came in, saw pictures on my brother's desk. Oh, you have a son. Tell me about your son. Oh, your wife. Oh, I see you have a family. Where? And he was just asking questions. And so if any of y'all ever want a job, just ask about <coughs> yeah. their family. Um, you see pictures of them playing golf, ask about their golf. It's getting to know them at a deeper level. So I love those, you know, tell me more, or I don't quite understand that. I mean, people... People are looking to be an evangelist for the things they most cherish, right? Whether you're a Christian or not, everyone's created being an evangelist because they're made in the image of God. And they're evangelists for their family, their sports team, whatever it might be, right? So so that's how we kind of start conversations. How do you turn a normal conversation into a spiritual conversation? Because I think that's maybe the hardest part Mm. to getting to the Gospels. How do you go from talking about video games. Mm-hmm. How do you go from that to getting into a spiritual conversation? Yeah. I mean, I do think that there's a, there's a switch. Like I was talking to this guy, uh, <laughs> I got my car stolen last month mm-hmm. and I was talking to this guy when we were trying to find another car and he was just talking about all the things that were wrong with the world. And, uh, I think just asking like, how's that working out for you? Like, how's how do, how do you handle all the sorrow? It was sort of a depressing conversation because it never got to the gospel. Mm-hmm. But I think I was sort of lobbing him passes a little bit. And I was waiting for him to lob me some passes back. And he didn't. <laughs> and he didn't. Yeah. And so and, okay. in some ways, you know, you could sort of say, oh, I did that wrong. But I think when you're talking about significant things, things that people really long for, faith doesn't have to be as much of a jump. It's It's not like... Oh, you know, I mean, some M&Ms. These M&Ms are red. The blood of Jesus is red. Let's get this on. I mean, that's sort of like, that's just. Have you, we, have that's you written a gospel track <laughs> about M&Ms? Because this, this too would be you know, profound. <laughs> but I think you can do it weird. Like, oh, hey, come to this spaghetti uh, supper we're having. And oh, by the way, there's like this 37 minute talk at the end of it that no one knew about like there's there can be some like bait and switch i hate bait and switch yeah bait and switch but i think if you really want to get to know like how do you handle life them wrestling with it in such a personal way sometimes it feels like they're just throwing the hot potato back to you like i don't know what do you think ben how do you take a normal conversation Mm -hmm. and turn it to a spiritual conversation yeah i think I think we need to realize that, right, people are whole beings, that everything they're saying to me actually says something about what they hold dear. 
there's something there. And I think when you, when you're listening, when we begin to listen well, you begin to hear what disturbs somebody, what breaks someone's heart. Um, and I think even the, the normal questions that, you know, as we started with, uh, Dan of like, tell me about your family. Oh, well, uh, I lost my dad last year and, um, you know, my son just moved away, but you know, I'm still doing well. Like, tell me about your dad. You know, what was your relationship like with him? And I think you begin to move down this path where you're, you're talking about the care. We want to actually care because like you said, when we do care, I think people are far more interested in what, certainly in what we have to say, but, but actually there's good news. You lost your dad. One day death is going to die itself, right? One day Jesus is going to come back. My favorite questions to ask people as they start talking about, it could be politics, right? Of like, um, you know, what do you think about Trump? It's like, well, uh, what do you think's wrong with the world? Like, what, what do you think would fix America? What do you think would fix mm, the world? That's a good question. Right. You, Cause you're beginning to move into this. Cause everyone, they're all are, they're all saying, we believe something's wrong with the world. And we believe there is a savior, a saving policy, a saving new way to think, a saving new, whatever it might be. And I think when you grasp that, that's what they're talking about. They're talking in ultimate things, even if they don't think they are. And I think when you get into that, right, there's still a transition potentially depending on how they respond. But, but even saying, you know what, when I'm real honest, like the brokenness I see out there, I also see inside of me, yeah. right? Like I think when you begin to, to implicate your own yourself, your own brokenness, their guard comes down because, right, they know they're broken. They might not throw that out there for you, but by you saying that, right, acknowledging it in the context of even a broken world, um, you begin to move to what actually unbreaks you, right? What heals you, what restores you, what redeems you. And I think they're longing. People are longing for that as well. Right. That's cool. One thing that I appreciate in terms of turning a conversation spiritual that I've seen in the past is actually from an Englishman. A guy you guys probably heard of, his name's William Wilberforce. And so William Wilberforce was a slave trader, radically transformed the gospel, fought to end slave trades. But what is not popularized is he loved to share the gospel. And so he would actually take time to pray and to ask God, and he would write down these things that he called launchers. Mm. Have you ever heard this? Launchers. Basically, it's how do I launch this conversation into a spiritual conversation? And so he would write different things down about how to do this. And he would actually take, you know, certain people and say, how would I launch Miss Betty into a spiritual conversation? How would I launch Mr. Joe into a spiritual conversation and things like that? And so that's been something that's really impactful for me. And so I think about launchers again. Turning the conversation spiritual isn't so much about me declaring something. It's about me asking them questions. Mm. So, I mean, you even look at Jesus. Jesus used launchers. Jesus would say, why are you so afraid? Right? He asked questions all the time. Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? He said, do you believe that I am able to do this? Jesus asked, why do you doubt? Who do you say I am? What is it you want? How will you escape from being condemned to hell? Probably not the question I would leave. <laughs> but a lot of these questions, I mean, Jesus asked penetrating questions, yeah. even though he knew all things, right? He still asked these penetrating questions. And so I think thinking about launchers are really helpful. And I'll just say for me, maybe not for you guys, but turning the conversation for me is awkward. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's important to say, it's okay to be awkward for Jesus. Mm. We talk about how when you first become a Christian, you're high on zeal and low on tact. Mm-hmm. And as as you go on, uh, you become high on tact and low on zeal. Mm. But ideally, we stay high on zeal and become higher on tact, right? But 
when you get into a spiritual conversation, when you share the gospel, in some ways, you're always going to mess it up. In some ways, you're never going to mess it up. Yeah. Right. And so, again, so, I think of the woman at the well who just says, come meet this man who told me everything I, I ever did. Like, that's all mm. she said. So it's worth taking that step of faith, which can feel awkward, which can feel scary. For me, it feels like I'm in junior high getting up the courage to ask a girl on a date. Like, that's sweaty palms. Like, it's yeah. it, it's nerve wracking for me. Right. Yeah. And so it can be awkward. But these launchers are very helpful. And mm -hmm. so a lot of times when people I'll ask people what they do and things like that, and they'll ask me back. And, I, and and this is a launcher that most people can't use, but I'll say I'm a pastor. And then my very next question, I try to program myself to do this, is to say, do you go to church anywhere? Or do you think about spiritual things? I've asked dozens of people, do you think about spiritual things? No one has ever said no. Hmm. Uh, one lady in a gas station did, but then I'm like, really? Now she's like, well, I used to, I used to a lot, but I've not so much recently. And so do you think about spiritual things as a great launcher? I love asking people, and this may be more in America than overseas, but do you go to church anywhere? Hmm. Oh, do you like that church? What do you like about that church? Tell me about, what does the church believe about this? What, and you can't even share the gospel. And what does the church believe about salvation? Like, how are you saved? We were just at the Y yesterday with a guy who... Yeah. It doesn't believe in the Trinity. And so we talked about, okay, well, how are you saved? And asking them what their church believes, what they believe, you know, do you buy it? Things like that. Those are some of the launchers. Also, other questions that you can ask, I think, is just simply like, what do you believe about God? Yeah. What do you believe about Jesus? So those are some of the launchers. But I really think it's a healthy exercise to just actually pray, like when you're driving. I know when I'm going to meet with someone from the church, I pray, Lord, what questions do you want me mm. to ask them? I don't mm. pray what answers do you want me to give. Like, what yeah. questions <clears throat> do I need to ask this person? Because I really do think ministry is more about the right questions than the right answers. The right answers are absolutely important. Don't get me wrong. But the right questions are powerful to people. So that's how I think some way that we can turn the conversation spiritual is through having those launcher questions. Finally, how do you get to the gospel then? Conversation step one. Turn to spiritual conversation, step two. Step three is sharing the good news of the gospel. Being, just want to make sure I'm clear that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose on the third day to give us newness of life for all who believe, right? So how do we, how do we get to the gospel? Yeah, I think, I think oftentimes it does take, take some time. Like this Hindu family who we're real close with, you know, we, we just started taking their kids to, um, we call it J Club, which is short for Jesus Club. So they all come and uh, <laughs> like the dad came to me in one of our, in, during a, during a meal and said, so about the Jesus and uh, cause he doesn't know anything about Jesus. And so he always refers to him as the, as the Jesus, I, I, you know, in a lot of ways for me, I want to involve people so much in my life that getting the gospel in the conversation is because it's a part of our world. I, I'm probably too high on tact. Because I, I think you're right, because humiliation is sort of a part of our faith. Like it's sacrificing our reputation. You know, Jesus says, if you don't, if you don't recognize me before other people, I'm not going to recognize you. And so I, th I think there's something about the humiliation that's part of it. But I think if I can sort of think about it in terms of my life, I want to draw them into my world where it's just, it becomes more normal. Yeah. And I'll just add to that. I think... When you're in a relationship, you're making an assessment. Is this a long-term relationship or am I never going to see this person again? Mm. Right. And yeah. I think that makes a huge impact on 
if you're getting to the gospel in the first conversation or not. Mm. Right. And, and so I completely agree with, but like I was on a cruise ship yeah. and, and I know I'm never going to see this guy again and right. he may never hear the gospel ever again. And so to get to the gospel in that conversation is a lot more important than with my neighbor mm. on the first time I talked. And I would also say we so often idolize the relationship that we're not willing to do anything that would jeopardize it, like sharing the gospel. Mm. Anything else? I didn't want to cut you off. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think when I think about getting to the gospel in conversations, it's such good news. Like, if it's true, only if it's true, telling people that, that this, this, this foreign kingdom, that God has come to rescue this runaway planet, and that there's more to your life than right now. I mean, whatever I can get, I mean, there's just so much good news in it. You just feel like, I mean, maybe I, maybe I should be more thorough in, in, in getting it all in. But I'm just like, God loves you. He has good things in store for you. And he's the type that never will betray you. Mm-hmm. Pledging, his, pledging your allegiance to him means that you are free and safe and happy forever. Mm-hmm. You know what? Your life, my life, is so much better the closer I get to Jesus. And, and having that as a framework of, I'm just a good news bomb. And whoever I run into, they're going <laughs> to they're gonna get some of this. Mm. If in my bones I carry the oracles of God because I'm united with Christ, man, I, I, I just want to run into people. Cool. Good news bomb. <laughs> That's the name of your book. <laughs> I'm a good news bomb. <laughs> Love it. All right. So, Ben, what do you think? How do you go from a spiritual conversation into sharing the gospel? I think asking people like uh, questions of, you know, do you have any background in Christianity? If you were to explain to me the core message of Christianity in two sentences, how would you do it? Right. So you get a sense of what they think. And then even the next piece is asking permission. That can be awkward. But I think asking permission still is giving dignity mm. to the person. Right. That's good. Saying, can I, would you mind if I share just, you know, in a few sentences uh, what Christianity is about? Cool. I would say with me, you know, to get to the gospel, typically it looks like I will need to initiate switching it to a spiritual conversation. Mm. And it's almost them that initiates it to me sharing the gospel in this mm. way. So I will I will try to turn it to a spiritual conversation with launchers, but just asking questions, questions, genuinely interested in their response and hearing what's going on. And And what we found is that Usually when you're asking questions, people find out that there's a cavern underneath their answers. They have no foundation underneath it. And at some point they'll say, what do you think? And when they say, what do you think? That's permission. That's the draw bridge down. That's the flip. That's the switch. That's, and sometimes I don't answer right away either because I want to let them sit in their um, lack of a foundation a little bit. One of my fa- just one of my favorite questions to ask people is when I'm asking them these questions to just say, does that concern you? Hmm. And just sit there with that question. Cause they'll say, you know, you know, we'll ask like, how do you know if you're good enough for God? And they'll say, well, I don't. Well, does that concern you? And just sit there. And I, I love that question. But, but then when they, they start asking question back, they're saying, I'm open, I'm receptive. I want to hear, you know, and, and sometimes I like to keep asking questions to get to the gospel so they have to process it more than just hearing a monologue. But that's how I typically get to the gospel. Now, I'll also, with people that I know, I said, I ask them, would you consider yourself a Christian? And then what makes you a Christian? And they would either go down the line of, well, I do this, 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 and this. And then I'll say, hey, 
That's not what makes you a Christian. <laughs> or, or, or if they say, I'm not a Christian, I'll say, well, what makes someone a Christian? Well, if they do this, 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 and this, I'm like, that's not, it's not what you do. It's what God has done for us in Christ and flipping that script for them. And I've seen a lot of people, man, the lights come on. There's a joy that they haven't had before in God when they realize it's not what they do. It's what God has done in Christ. And it's really cool to see that. Um, you know, there's an illustration that God's put on my heart when it comes to evangelism. I think it's really helpful. And I'm not even sure if it's germane to this question, but in baseball, uh, Major League Baseball, man, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago, a pitcher typically pitched the whole game, right? And and then they pitched the game, the next game, the next game. I mean, it's crazy. Um, today, you have like an opener, a reliever, a middle reliever, a closer, and then a closing closer or whatever. You have so many pitchers in a game. And I feel like evangelism is more like modern baseball than it is baseball 40 years ago in that when you share the gospel, you're not sure where you are in that rotation. Um, but believing that God is sovereign and will bring other pitchers into their life to to share the good news of the gospel with them. Because I look at guys like Billy Graham. Billy Graham is usually not an opener. He's usually a closer for people. When people bring folks to a Billy Graham crusade and they come to faith in Christ, it's because someone's been sharing the gospel with them for a while or seeking them. or And so I think wherever we are, just being faithful to sharing the gospel, trusting that, okay, I'm not sure where we are in this person's rotation uh, in terms of hearing the gospel, but trusting that God is sovereign and that he will bring more people into their life besides us if uh, he's drawing them to himself. So any other thoughts or questions? This is a bit of an aside and doesn't necessarily, it's not right down the middle, but I remember I tried to get together. We tried to get together with his family and she said, I have one lunch in the next month. And I thought to myself, man, who is your master? Hmm. <laughs> like you need to quit that job. <laughs> And like, I think one of the things that I've been encouraging Americans, I'm like, man, let's cultivate a lot of boredom in our life so other people can waste our time. Mm. I think, I think with evangelism, I want to sign up for a life where other people waste a lot of my time. Like, can you get together on Tuesday? Yeah. Like, can you get together on Thursday? Sure. I can make time for you. Man, being available for people to, to ruin your schedule and ruin your time. Now, our culture has so tricked us into thinking that our life should be producing, and that's the that's sort of the measure of it. But, yeah, I think I think for me, if I'm tired and grumpy and, and I've been working too much, I don't want to share the gospel with anybody. I don't have time. I don't have the energy. And, I'm not, and if I'm maximizing all the potential of all the opportunities, I'm probably not sharing the gospel. I think the word that comes to my mind is margin. Mm-hmm. To, to create margin in your schedule. And there's some seasons of life where that margin goes for, for legitimate reasons. Of course. But it shouldn't be your entire life. There's no margin, right? <laughs> and so creating creating margin and saying no to things that the rest of Americans say yes to <laughs> might be really important. If you can be a real friend to somebody who really, like at 2 a.m., they call you and they're struggling or they need help, man, like... I think sort of the friendship part of evangelism, if they know that you are a reliable person Mm -hmm. that they can depend on and that you're a person of trust. Uh, Like when I lived in Spain, una persona de confianza is like a person of trust is so hard to find. Mm. And, And that's like everybody wants to find trustworthy people. 
And if you are a, a trustworthy person that's available, I think that's so that's like a four leaf clover in our culture. Mm. So I just think that part that is a part of evangelism. Is yeah. It sounds like and the, the interesting thing about Stephen, the context you're talking about, obviously ministering outside of the U.S. Um, in a very specific mission, what it sounds like you're saying you need more friends who aren't Christians, right? When you consider, and that's not saying we don't need the community of being in the body of Christ. We do, but who are the people, how are you doing that to your neighbor? Right. What you just said when they said 2am, you know, uh, or, you know, whatever might be, how are you creating those relationships? I would say Christians fall off both sides of that horse. Some Mm, have are exclusively around Christians. Sure. Others are exclusively around non-Christians. Mm. Both of those are unhealthy and unbiblical. So, uh, and your house is open for other people to waste your time. A lot of evangelism happen. Now, I hear you saying this, but I also know you're a hard worker. I am a hard worker. So I'm putting those two things together because <laughs> you're not encouraging laziness. No, no. But but having space to have your neighbors to be in relationship with them, and yeah, that's good. So. Cool. Well, just to recap, this may be fairly simplistic recap, but in order to get to the gospel in conversation, first we have to start a conversation and we do that by asking about their life, asking questions and find out what they love, maybe what they fear and diving deeper into those. So the first is getting to, into a conversation. The second is to turn the conversation into a spiritual conversation. And we talked about in the asking probing questions about you know, what's your hope? Like, what's the hope of it getting better? What do you do with that? Or using launchers, right? And kind of having an arsenal of launchers that you say, okay, this is how I can turn a normal conversation into a spiritual conversation. And then the third part is then to get to the gospel and to share the good news of the gospel. It's we're evangelists for something. Let's be evangelists for the best thing, right? And so Mm -hmm. to, to get to the gospel and to share about Jesus with others, and one way that we know that they're ready is when they start asking questions back, when they see that we care about them, love them. But there may be occasion where you'll never see the person again and you just want to share it and then pray that God would do his work. So that, I think that's a summary of, of what we've talked about here. Ben, would you just close us in prayer and pray for us men uh, and also just people listening to this podcast, three frame, this framework, that we would love people enough to talk to them, that we would fight through the awkwardness to turn it spiritual and that we would be bold enough to share the gospel. Would you pray for, Mm, pray for us? Certainly. Heavenly father, God, we thank you that you uphold the world by your power. Um, God, that you uphold our very lives. Um, We thank you, God, that you have loved us. You have called us to know you, and then you have made the way through Christ. God, we pray, uh, we pray for, uh, certainly us here, us three men, as we go back to families, to ministries, to, um, engage with people, God, that we pray for those listening. Uh, Lord Jesus, would we, would we honor you with how we order our lives? Would we honor you with how we order our thoughts? And certainly would we honor you with how we order our affections? Um, God, would we be so affectionate, uh, towards you and towards your gospel and towards the lost, Lord, that, we could say like like Peter does in, in Acts that we can't help but to speak about Jesus Christ because there is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. And so, Lord, I pray for passion to pour out of our hearts, out of the hearts of those listening, um, that we would long to share the gospel and that we would go um, and do it. Lord, would you give us boldness? Um, certainly we have a spirit, not of timidity, but a, a Holy Spirit of, of boldness that we can move forward. We can speak the good news. And when things look 
awkward or feel awkward, we must remember um, that the gospel is the very power of God. Um, that is, the gospel is what brings dead people to life, um, and that we walk around all day long surrounded by dead people waiting to hear the gospel. And mm. so, Lord, would you move in us, move in those listening? Um, would we speak with clarity, with love, with honesty, and certainly knowing, God, that you are building your church? Build it, Jesus, before our eyes. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Join us next time on Getting the Gospel Out as we ask the question, how do I share the gospel with Muslims? If you want more information about what we are doing, please go to www.gettingthegospelout.org. We are on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Play. want to encourage you to subscribe and to give us a good rating if you like what we're doing. Remember the Gospel Challenge, which is before next podcast, to share the good news of the gospel with someone whom God has brought into your path. The only way that we grow in sharing the gospel is by sharing the gospel. Let's get the gospel out because the power is not in the messenger. It is in the message of the cross through the Holy Spirit. And those who receive it will have eternal life and heaven will rejoice.